Hey guys, happy Tuesday, choose yourself. I hope you guys find yourselves in a good place this morning. It is an interesting world that we live in with so much that has changed over the past few weeks, right? I myself needed a break, so it has been two weeks or so since I last recorded, but it's good to be back and I'm happy to be back. I'm rested and my mind is in a good place and my heart is in a good place and it's just really awesome to be behind the mic recording again. Um, but yeah, guys, I hope you will really enjoy today's episode and what I have planned for you guys. I really thought that as we wrap up this year, we could connect with some people doing amazing things to remind us that there's still love, hope and joy in the world. I think even during a chaotic time, right, we need a reminder that people are still dreaming and doing and planning amazing things to make this world a better place. So over the next couple of weeks, I will hope to bring you guys conversations with impact makers and world changers from across Africa who are doing both amazing things on the continent and around the world. Today's guest, guys, is a very special friend of mine who I've actually been friends with for quite a long time. I bumped into him at a NGO-related conference, and we've really been friends since then. Um, he is a U.S.-based Zambian social entrepreneur, climate activist, and a graduate of the Masters of Public Administration with Environmental Science and Policy from Columbia University in New York. Frustrated by the widespread inaction of the climate and ecological crisis, he invented a radio model at the age of 14 to educate and mobilize over 2 million weekly radio listeners in the Copper Belt province of Zambia. He's a recipient of numerous global awards, such as the Queen's Young Leaders Award from Queen Elizabeth II. Have you heard of her? <laughs> the Worldwide Fund Global Presidents Award, the Global Outstanding Young Persons Award from the Emperor of Japan, and his work in sustainable development has been recognized by both Barack Obama and Chancellor Angela Merkel. He believes in the power of empowered young people as a force for economic and social transformation. He's the global youth ambassador of the Children's Radio Foundation and co-founder of Agents of Change Foundation, both organizations offering leadership and mentorship to over 1,200 young community radio journalists across six African countries. Brighton is currently consulting with the Worldwide Fund International and running an e-commerce logistics startup called Carton in Lusaka, Zambia. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, welcome my good friend Brighton Kaoma. Brighton, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's really an honor to have you on the Hazes podcast. Like I said, I am a little nervous because just going through your bio reminded me that you are a big deal. But in all the the years that I've known you, it's amazing that even though you're this big deal, you remain so humble and so approachable. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for making time for us today. Thanks, Zizi. Uh, I'm really excited that you got to invite me to feature on the podcast, but also most importantly, I am grateful because this journey of our friendship started way back when um, we met at the Partnerships for Maternal and Child Health Conference of the United Nations. Yes. That was in Santon, if I remember well. Yes. Very well. A few years back. should have been in 2015, 2014, somewhere there. So I'm really excited and very thrilled that you've invited me to share my thoughts. Um, and yeah, you, You've been doing incredible. I've been listening to the podcast and um, I must commend you for this good work. Thank you so much, friend. Yes, indeed. It has actually been a long journey. Um, it's amazing that we've been able to maintain this friendship, seeing that you're so busy um, with all of this jet setting around the world. But I thought we would just start off with you telling us a bit about yourself. I mean, obviously, I read your bio, but who is Brighton? Yeah. And I think I would describe myself using three adjectives, I would say I'm a creative, an innovator, and a social entrepreneur. Um, I was born and raised in Zambia 27 years back. 
Um, that was December 27, 1993. Come on. So um, a few weeks from my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, over the years, I've been involved in a number of professional and career development initiatives, both mm -hmm. on the African continent and outside, uh, primarily at the intersection of sustainable development, climate science, youth development, and the climate crisis. So my work has transitioned from being a radio broadcaster as a teenager until a time when I started offering radio and media trainings to young people in Africa, in Asia, and the United States. So the journey has gravitated from growing up in Zambia in a small community, in a mm. small township, to gradually being able to offer skills to other young people and setting myself on a path for leadership. Um, so in a nutshell, that's how I would provide a more holistic introduction to who I am. But everything that I've had an opportunity of doing has come as a result of grace, sure. uh, an element of good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but also um, as a result of people that I would describe as guardian angels that have shaped my path. I mean, that's amazing. You know, just hearing you describe your journey and how much it's grown and it's progressed. And it's it's been amazing, I think, even just as your friend, watching you grow and watching you make the impact that you have, you know, both on the continent and around the world. But, I, you know, I, I picture a 14-year-old Brighton, you know, starting out and having this burning desire in his heart to make a change. What really started that? What, what was the event that kind of sparked that passion to say, we need to make a difference in our community when it comes to climate change and the climate crisis? What was that moment for you? Uh, well, for me, uh, everything started as a result of both inspiration and frustration. Right. <laughs> so the push and boost came as a result of what I saw. And I think this takes me all back to the old adage, which says we're a product of our environment. Mm -hmm. And if we're a product of our environment, that talks about our internal operating system. Yeah. But also our external environment that influences how we behave how we see the world, and those external factors are both environmental and inherent mm -hmm. uh, factors. Uh, environmental factors for me were primarily inging between what I saw with respect to what scientists would call legacy environmental abilities. I think, Zizi, somebody like you from South Africa, you understand that with the extraction of minerals from the earth, mm -hmm. gold, cobalt, copper, there cans other unintended consequences. Right. Those are negative environmental externalities such as pollution, pollution to the air, pollution to the water. But also these begin to also influence your internal operating system. If you're getting water from a well which has been polluted with lead, if there's an increase of over, you know, five lead levels, 5% lead levels in your blood system yeah. leads to you having cognitive challenges and so many other challenges that people end up having. But also the air that you breathe in does affect you internally. Right. But on a more economic scale, you start realizing that degradation of the land reduces crop yield. And to make it more practical, think about that woman who is raising five kids and that main source of economic revenue comes from growing vegetables through irrigation using the water from a nearby stream. Mm -hmm. The event that a stream is polluted, then there are a lot of economic challenges that come with that. So my inspiration started observing all these fault lines. Right. Pollution happening, nobody doing anything, people being ignorant about what was happening and what they could do. Mm -hmm. So the intention of starting radio when I was about 14 was primarily because of my frustration with what was happening, but also that provided me with the inspiration to think about innovative ways through which, number one, 
we can educate the community to start making better decisions. Mm-hmm. Because when you're better informed, you can make the right choices and decisions. Right. But if you're more ignorant about what's happening, you end up just going with the flow and not understanding what you can do. Sure. So the platform I created was meant to, first of all, provide that enlightenment to allow people to start making decisions that would be better for them, for their well-being, but also for future generation. Right. But again, you begin to realize that when you speak about issues of climate change, these topics sound utopic, right? Mm-hmm. People think these are vague uh, white people conversations. Right. <laughs> but then you begin to realize that on a more relatable level, climate change and environmental degradation has been happening for some time. And it's only the language in which these things are packaged that creates this language barrier and information barrier and knowledge barrier. Right. The intention was to break this language barrier and knowledge barrier by educating community members about these climate issues in a language they understand, in a language that espouses their motivation to take action, but also to hold leaders to account to take action. Right. So starting at the very young age, of course, came with different challenges um, that I would describe as lonely sometimes Mm -hmm. because... There are moments when, you know, when you've started something and you've started with people that you believe are going to be on a journey with you. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, you realize that there are moments where you have to do certain things on your own. Right. Because of your motivation and passion that you hold for something that matters the most. I think that's interesting that you that you mentioned that. And, and looking at where you are in your career right now, um, I wonder... You know, if you know, if you had known at that age where you would end up, and and of course you're not done, right? But if I guess you had known at that age, you would really see that indeed that it was worth all of that struggle. That even the worst challenges were not in vain, because you know you are on the other side of having made that impact and are, are teaching people, you know, to to understand the environment and to understand most importantly, the impact that they can make on the environment, right? And, you know, I think you're quite right. Like the South African perspective as well is is quite tricky because it's not that people don't understand something, but if it's not communicated in a way that they can understand and that they can be empowered to be a part of that change, then there's often a gap, you know what I mean? And people are not as active as they should be or as they actually could be. So I think it's amazing that you actually made sure that your message could be communicated and understood to the people that it actually matters and impacts the most. Um, But you mentioned some of the challenges, and I think we should go through that because if 2020 has been anything, I think it's been challenging. And, you know, we all set out to have these goals, these big dreams this year. And, um, you know, 2020 has meant different things for different people. And I think one of the things has been the challenge of having a dream having hopes for a dream and finding all these various barriers that prohibit you from making the progress that you had originally planned for those dreams. And I was hoping you could talk to us a bit more about your challenges between, you know, where you started and where you are now. And maybe you can even tell us about some of the challenges that you faced, you know, in the your your current state, you know, the current changes that you're trying to make um, and also the, yeah. the, the challenges that you faced in this this year particularly. Um, because I think it's, it's nice to connect with world changes and world impactors, but it's also so humbling and encouraging to hear that we all have challenges and we can all collectively overcome those challenges. So what have some of those challenges been like for you? Yeah, and I think that's critical, um, Zizi, when you spoke about how communication should be in a way that is critical and uh, comprehensible to people. Yeah. I think that's the reason why, before I speak about the challenges, I would want to highlight certain things that we were taught growing up, even in school. Number one, I'm going to give you a description of two fruits. Okay. And one fruit is an orange, right? Right. And I'll give two descriptions. And I want you to tell me which one among these two descriptions makes sense and is easily comprehensible, right? Okay. So imagine you had never seen an orange before. Mm. 
and then somebody comes to you and says, have you seen an orange before? And you say, no, I've never seen an orange in my life. And you ask them to describe, but they describe it in this way. Mm. Well, an orange is a super-sized fruit. It tastes like a mixture of nectar and water. It usually grows in the bush, and the, its pulp is extremely thick. That's one description. And then right. another person, and then somebody else gives you another description and says, well, an orange is a fruit. And it's orange in color. And it looks very similar to a lemon. So you, you then create mental schemes. Yes, yes. You can, before, you can right? relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. So even with climate change communication, when I started doing this work, it was about creating schemes in the mind that could allow people to start creating visuals and illustrations that are more relatable. So, for sure. example, if I speak about what happens to nitrous oxide, uh, what happens to methane, how it reacts to create the ozone layer, people can't understand. Right. But if I speak about what happens two years ago when they planted their crops and then put their crops were stunted, they couldn't grow, but way back they used to grow better. It's because there was excess nutrients or less nutrients which were caused by excess erosion because they cut down the trees like such hmm. kind of illustrations provide people with the opportunity to understand things a small illustration to link what it means to communicate better right to communicate science in a language that non-scientists can understand most of the challenges came as a result of wanting to have faith in something that you haven't seen right right so for example when I was doing radio as, as, as a young person, I started with friends, you know. It was all fun, very exciting. But again, along the way, you begin to realize that this is pro bono. Nobody's getting paid. You're in high school. You need to create a balance, a good equilibrium between school and going to the radio station. You're volunteering in your time. The external forces, right? Mm -hmm. External forces of people talking you down, saying, why do you do that? You're not getting paid. What's the essence of you doing something where you're getting nothing? Sure. But again, you're inspired by that deeper passion for better tomorrow. Right. And you don't see those obstacles that other people see. And in my case, it was people dropping off, people throwing in the tile, thinking, well, this is not lucrative enough for me to be engaged in. What's the essence of getting engaged in this that is not giving me enough returns? Uh, I'm in high school. I'm going to fail exams if I focus solely on going for radio production. Right. Uh, but at the, same, at the same time, what motivated me the most was the fact that it started becoming a way of life. It was fun going to the radio station. It was fun researching. It was fun speaking to experts that knew more than I did on different issues surrounding climate science and allowing these people to come and share their voices. So in some instances, I started observing that doing radio on a daily basis was actually a very good classroom that allowed me to learn so much. So things started becoming way, way easier. And this is something that I also observed when I was in university in undergrad, because majoring in environmental science somehow became way easier for me. Right. I understand things that most students wouldn't understand. Um, and at the expense of sounding very modest, and I'm not allowing anybody to do this, I would not attend classes for days, but be on top of my class. Right, so right. I realized that through exposure to learning, which is lifelong learning outside the classroom, is critical. Right. But most people don't see the relevance of early stage engagement in things that won't bring the, the, the needed dividends in the immediate team, mm -hmm. but somehow bring in more delayed gratification. Yeah. So I would sum up this to say it was a tug of war between instant gratification and delayed gratification. Right. In a space where I was surrounded with so many people that 
were inspired by instant gratification. I was born, just for information, easy in a community where what seemed more fancy and sexy was either drug abuse, it was either being married at a young age, especially for vulnerable young women, or it was either engaging in illicit activities that never had any long-term gratification. So it was, a, it was a tug of war to some degree. You know, growing up in a township, there's so many things that tend to push you and pull you from, from your goal. Yeah. So um, the experience during my formation years was quite a challenging and interesting one. Hmm. But I would always give credit to my parents who were extremely consistent and supportive at emphasizing the relevance of resilience. And they would cite examples of what it, ha what it means when you are running your own garden in your home. From the moment you saw the seeds, right? Right. To the moment you wait for the onset of the rains, to the moment you are vests, you put your grains in the granary and use some for daily consumption or for external sales. It takes a lot of time and it's a test of patience and resilience. Hmm. And being raised by parents who were so passionate about agriculture and farming and things within that spectrum, I started seeing that they had embodied these traits of patience, determination, and resilience. Right. Um, but also you begin to see that challenges do not just vanish right there and then. Along the way, there are certain things that come for example, when I started grad school, second semester, third semester, the fourth semester, coronavirus broke, right? Right. And I received an email while in my dorm room from the university president saying, classes are going to go virtual. Nobody is going to be able to attend classes. The following day, I received another communique saying, there's a lockdown. Mm. Nobody is allowed to go outside. There's a curfew. So all these challenges start building up one after the other. And you begin to realize that how do you cope when you are in a foreign land? Right. Family is far away from where you are, but you still need to make sure that you're on top of your game with academics, you're paying particular attention, but at the same time you're performing at your very best when the world seems to be coming to an end. Right. So how do you show faith? At a time like that. Huh. So for me, it took a lot of deeper connection with the spirit within, but also deeper connection with family and friends. Despite whatever challenges you face, you are not in that alone. Mm. There are people that really care the most for you. And those are the people that you need to keep close to you and communicate with consistently. But also you need to realize that there's God and universe that always conspires to give you what you need. When you face very insurmountable, excruciating challenges that sweep you off your feet, it's that common belief and value that there's always the God, there's always the universe, there are always people praying for you, there are always people rooting for you, even without knowing. Hmm. So it's that deep conviction in what you believe in, right. whatever it may be, right. but also that deep conviction in the universe that will conspire to give you what you need. I think that's amazing because I, I'm, I too believe in that. You know, I believe that when you have a passion for something, no matter what it is, no matter what cause it is, if you have a passion that is just beyond yourself, right? So when you speak about you know, long-term gratification versus short-term instantaneous gratification. When you have a passion that surpasses the need to be acknowledged, um, the need to be praised, the need to be celebrated immediately because you understand that there's a greater goal, there's a greater purpose, that everything around you, you know, says amen to that. I really, really believe that. I really believe that when you have a passion for something to make a change in something or in people's lives and people's mindsets, that everything around you agrees. You know, as a person of faith, I believe that 
we all sent here for a reason. You know, we all sent here with purpose. And our greatest gift to God is to walk in that purpose, right? So God's greatest gift to us is purpose. Our greatest gift to God is to walk in that purpose. And I think just hearing your journey, you know, both the ups and the downs and the fact that your environment where you were growing up and everything around you didn't speak to what you were trying to do, didn't speak to who you were trying to become. And yet in all of that, through your friends, through your family, your parents, the values that they that they placed in you, that everything kind of worked towards your good and made sure that you got to where you needed to be. Um, you know, when you speak about coronavirus, it's interesting, right? I think one of the main things um, throughout the podcast that I've been talking to people about um, during coronavirus is mental health, you know, and really making time to check in with ourselves and make sure that we're doing okay mentally. Um, I do believe as well that, you know, when you are mentally sound, when you are mentally and emotionally aware that you'll have better connections with people and the world around you. So how have you been working on that, you know, keeping yourself mentally sane and fit during lockdown? Yeah, I totally agree with you when you speak about the relevance of exercising passion for something that you believe in. Right. And I think even in history, when we look at Nelson Mandela, um, Kwame Nkrumah, David Kaunda, majority of these forefathers were extremely passionate about something, which was liberating the African continent and the African people. Mm-hmm. And it's that deep desire that allowed them to push beyond boundaries and become better. Um, I think when you look at coronavirus, it's something that confronted the universe in a way never seen before in our generation. Mm. In my case, seeing it from the genesis up to where we are now, it makes me realize that we all live by grace. Sure. Anybody would have been affected or infected with the virus. There's so many people that have died as a result of this virus. Over 250,000 people have died in the United States of America. But just being alive, having an opportunity to work and aim, mm-hmm. where over 30 million people have declared unemployed sure. is a huge opportunity and something that I personally am grateful for. Right. But at the same time, I realize that we need to be sane during these challenging times. And mental health becomes even more critical now than ever before. But I think mental health would be synonymous to a certain quote by somebody I respect the most called Bill Mm O'Brien, who said, the success of any undertaking is dependent on the interior conditions of the intervener or the undertaker. Sure. So if I, as Brighton, is doing something, the success of whatever I'm doing is dependent on how I feel inside. Do I feel the motivation and the inspiration on a daily basis? I meet these challenges to push and eventually emerge victorious. But at the same time, what external factors around me will allow me to succeed? Right. To succeed at being mentally sane, to succeed at my career, to succeed at whatever I'm doing. Right. And I think the people that we surround ourselves do play a critical role in our mental well-being. Yeah. Offline or online. We see companies that are profiting out of hurt. They allow people to fund and sponsor hateful messages on social media. We see how people would always descend on somebody who makes a slight mistake on social media. Yeah. We see how everybody wants to look perfect in an imperfect world on social media. So the more exposure we end up experiencing with all these different innovations Mm -hmm. do affect our mental well-being. In my case, as opposed to always checking the numbers and the tabs, I decided to switch off very often. Mm -hmm. Switching off from external influences and factors that would affect my thinking, and my interior condition. Right. Because if I am depleted internally, what will I give to other people around me? I would give hurt. 
I would give bad energy. I would give something that is within me, right? So the success of what I am doing is dependent on my interior conditions. Right. And to some degree, I have the opportunity to control external conditions. And these external conditions also includes eliminating factors that I think are going to affect me. Right. It also means, in a very challenging way, eliminating people that you think are going to affect you in the world. Sure. It would be relationships that you keep that you think are not helping you or are challenging you or hurting you in words. Sometimes to achieve optimal mental well-being, it calls for very tough decisions. Tough decisions to unplug yourself from that source of frustration, to unplug yourself from that source of frustrating relationships that you keep to unplug yourself through introspection from online channels that frustrate your mental well-being. Yeah. And to plug yourself to specific sources that you think are going to enrich you. So what company do you keep? You keep company that is very negative, company that doesn't want you to grow, companies that don't want you to progress, but are happy when all you do is within their sphere or their space. So for me, called hmm. for creating friendships and alliances with friends and individuals that I thought were equally exuding positivity, were equally demonstrating that despite us going through these challenges, we will merge victorious. And individuals that were showing extremely incomparable empathy. So I made a deliberate decision to only plug myself to sources that would, and by sources I mean individuals, situations, circumstances. Right, right. Media outlets that I believe by virtue of me consuming their products, I will be able to have a more enriching mental condition and interior condition of how my heart feels, how my mind feels, that way I can give the best to the world. That's so powerful. You know, it, when you speak about all of this, it reminds me of... Um, an episode I recently did, which discussed healthy boundaries and healthy boundaries, both with people and also with platforms, you know, with things, um, healthy boundaries, healthy habits and healthy engagements, you know, with people and with things. So, you know, it's, it's okay to be on social media. It's okay to look at the news, you know, it's, it's okay to be informed, but there is a boundary that's needed to say, when is too much, you know, affecting me? When is, when is what I'm doing crossing a boundary and really making me anxious more than informed? Do you know what I mean? And, and that kind of sounds like what you're describing now to say, it's not necessarily about, you know, completely leaving the world and, and leaving, you know, media and, and social media and people, but it's about knowing yourself and listening to your inner voice and paying attention to your inner voice enough to know when enough is enough for you and knowing exactly what amount you can engage with and, and what hours you want to spend engaging with certain people, you know, with certain content, with certain platforms. Um, that, that really kind of sounds like what you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's creating those health boundaries that is critical um, because without having those health boundaries, we tend to either over-consume. And I think it's like tending to a plant, right? Mm -hmm. If you're giving it too much fertilizer, you realize that it'll be able to grow in a way that pleases you. But if you don't have enough sunlight, if you don't have enough water, if you don't have enough fertile soil to nourish the growth of that plant, even the fruit it produces will definitely be synonymous to whatever input you put in. Right. If you put in too much ammonia, for example, it might kill the plant. So how do you create that harmony, the health balance you spoke about this, which is quite critical in ensuring that you stay sane. I think unplugging from social media is about moderation because it's like a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It can either work for you or work against you. Right. So how do you create that good equilibrium 
that allows you, most importantly, to take care of your mental well-being. It's not all about you, but it's also about the people around you. Right. What are you giving? What energy are you giving? What support are you giving? Is your mental well-being being a benefit to the mental being of other people? Right. You? Right. If it's not, then you have to re-examine your mental well-being. And hmm. sometimes we tend to have blind spots. Blind spots where the energy we are giving to other people is very oblivious to, to us as hmm. individuals. That's why going through this very challenging time of coronavirus, uh, we are seeing diseases, we are seeing so many people dying, people who are close to us. It requires a deeper level of self-inflection. Right. Stepping back and counting your blessings. Counting the blessings that you are alive today for a reason. And by virtue of you being alive today, should give you a sense of purpose, to live a life of purpose. Yeah. Not only for you, but also for others. Hmm. I was having a conversation recently with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And something interesting that um, uh, Meghan Markle said was about how it's important for us at a time like this to not only care for ourselves, but also care for those around us. Mm. But you can't give what you don't have. Correct. That's why it's critical for you to start ensuring that you fill your cup. You fill your cup of energy. You fill your cup of positivity. You fill your cup of understanding where you are. Right. Because if you're fractured inside, you're going to fracture the people around you. Hmm. But if you tend to your inner well-being, especially for individuals like yourself and myself and other people who are doing good. Many a times we are giving and giving and giving, but we don't think about taking care of ourselves, taking care of our physical well-being, taking care of our emotional well-being, taking care of our intellectual well-being. Sometimes it's critical to even unplug momentarily. Yeah. Get a book or get anything that would allow you to be immersed in something outside of the world. Hmm. It could be through meditation, it could be through yoga, something that allows you to connect with self. And one challenge that I keep seeing in the world is three divides. There's a huge divide between self and the world. Mm -hmm. There's a huge divide between self and nature. And there's a huge divide between self and self. Sure. And what I mean by self and self is that there's a huge divide between ourselves and our soul, ourselves and our inner spirit, ourselves and our inner operating system. Sure. We spend time to connect with our spirit, with our soul. Do we introspect, reflect, meditate, and think about where we are in life and make sense of events of the past? Because if you are moving in highway, you can't reflect on what things that have happened to you in the past mean to you. Mm -hmm. What the current situation means to you and the people around you. Sure. There's a huge divide between self and the environment. That's why we are seeing people putting profit over the sustainability of, the, of our planet and the future generations to come. There's a huge divide between self and others. And that's the reason why we're seeing injustices, inequality, we're seeing racism, and so many challenges that so many people have become very oblivious to. So it's by closing these divides that we're going to see productivity among ourselves, productivity in our communities, productivities in the world, and productivity in society. Sure. You know, you've, you've given so many pearls of wisdom. Like, I can't... I feel like I'm eating this amazing buffet with all of these amazing things to eat at just listening to you speak i'm just so full um of of the wisdom that you have shared and all the lessons that you have given um it's amazing i really really love everything that you have shared with us um you know in speaking about how you how you just described our, our relationship, right? And our relationship with, with different elements, you know, of, of our existence. Um, I wonder what you would say is your dream for, for people, you know, I think particularly African youth, um, 
what what is your aspiration you know in in the years to come for people when it comes to you know both climate change um but also everything that you've spoken about now which is more about self-actualization and and self-awareness um so what would you describe that you know as what would you say your dream is for people you know as we exit 2020 and we go into the new year um what would you say your hope is um yeah thanks so much i i well, listening to your podcast this is incredible i did listen to one podcast where you interviewed a gentleman it should have been a few months back he was speaking about personal growth mm-hmm. and he shared incredible nuggets nuggets of wisdom i will try to dig into your podcast archives and I'll send you that podcast. It was filled with wisdom and I was inspired to just listen to it. And that's why I see these conversations as critical and important because there's so many people that are being afflicted with so many challenges mm. that need to listen to a voice of hope, a personal story that so many people could relate with. When I think about my journey of growing up in a community just like many townships in Africa, no piped water at the time, no tarred roads at the time. I understand what it means growing up and being worried about where the next meal will come from, but mm. also being worried about your future career goals. Growing up, when I reflect on my journey of being raised in a very supportive family, but also so many external factors that led to most of the friends that I grew up either getting addicted with drugs or others giving up on their lives hmm. because of so many challenges. Yeah. Not so long ago, I lost somebody that I grew up with, a close acquaintance in the community who decided to just give up on life. Hmm. And... When I reflect on these things, I realize that there's a lot of work that we need to do in normalizing, speaking openly about challenges that we are facing. Yeah. And breaking down all barriers that try to prioritize and hold in high regard perfection because all of us are imperfect human beings. Right, right. The essence of supporting each other should come from having that open mind, an open heart and an open will. Hmm. With an open mind, an open heart and an open will, those traits can allow us to welcome everybody, irrespective of what they believe in, irrespective of whatever wrongs they've done, welcoming them and helping them to become better. That being said, I have lots of hope and passion for the continent. As I indicated during our side conversation, I believe in creating economic opportunities for young people. Uh, Being here in the United States, having gone to a good school, arguably, um, having had opportunities to graduate, having an opportunity to work, being blessed with a home, having a shelter on top of my herd having healthy parents is a blessing mm. and my hope is to give back to those that have gone through and are still going through challenges like what I experienced growing up. Right. Because I can relate. It's not something rhetoric. It's not something I read about in books. It's something that I have experienced and I, I allow myself through retreats and reflection and introspection to never divert from thinking about those who are in need. Yeah. For this reason, some friends and I invested in an e-commerce logistics company in Zambia where we are disrupting e-logistics by connecting transporters in need of businesses to farmers and small businesses in need of reliable transportation using technology. And through this company, in a very small way, I'm helping create a few jobs for young Zambians and young Africans. Mm. But also beyond that, I see that we have a responsibility to support our friends, 
our friends in our communities, our friends in our families, our brothers and sisters in a very small way. Right. It should not take a billion dollars to change the world. It begins with an individual to share the very little thing that God has blessed you with. Because there are so many people that are in need of the small things that we take for granted. My hope for the continent is that we shall reach a stage where there'll be no need for big multinational organizations to exist, where UNHCR, the International Human Rights for Refugees, where big internationals that are, international NGOs that are doing development work no longer exists because everyone has a decent life. Hmm. That's my hope for Africa. That's my hope for the continent. And I believe that by supporting each other, supporting local businesses, supporting local social entrepreneurs, it's the only way out of all the vicious cycle of economic and social challenges that we face. I'll be traveling to Zambia very soon in a few weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And my intention is to give a part of myself to the young people through mentoring programs, leadership workshops, business development workshops, transferring some of the skills and knowledge that I've at the opportunity and privilege of acquiring over the last few years. And I believe that all of us have got something to share. Right. And that it shouldn't take a billion dollars or a hundred hours of our time to support the next person. It begins with one person. If you support one person and they equally support the next person, we can have a ripple effect of positive change in our community. Sure. I'm I'm lost for words. <laughs> I literally I don't even know what to say. Like I'm just gobsmacked at everything that you have said because you're so right. Um, you're so so right that if we can really just give the little that we have, you know, it's 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 about the little that you do consistently that makes the big difference. You know, often we think that we have to have these massive grand gestures to make large impact, you know, but it's the little things of, you know, reviewing a friend's CV, you know, or you making that, sending that introductory Absolutely. email, you know, or listening to somebody Absolutely. articulate their dreams and just give, giving them a moment of your time that makes a huge impact. Um, you know, I can't believe that, you know, after everything that you have accomplished, that you've remained so humble. Um, you know, like I said, this is an individual who has been awarded by Queen Elizabeth. This is an individual who has spoken to President Barack Obama. I cannot believe that after all of those amazing accomplishments that you still such a relatable human. You know, when I talk to you, I just see an amazing human, you know, a person who can just talk to people and relate to them on a genuine level. And I'm so amazed by how much time you've given us today, um, both in sharing your story and, you know, in sharing your hope and your dream for Africa and for the world at large. Um, I think the last thing that I'll ask you is, where can we find you? You know, I know that, you know, you mentioned that you're not too hectic on social media, but where can we find you? Um, where can we connect with you if people want to do that? Um, and I think lastly as well, you know, what kind of resources do you think people could look at, you know, whether it comes to climate change and getting more informed about the environment um, or even when it comes to self-actualization, um, what resources would you say people could look at? That's very kind of you, Zizi, and I, I continue to be extremely inspired by your work. Uh, you've been very consistent at what you've done and what you continue to do, bringing all these inspiring people. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I listen to it consistently, especially at a time like this when I need to listen to voices from the continent. I am very active on social media, back, uh, Facebook, Brighton, Mokupa, Kaoma, um, and of course, LinkedIn, Brighton, Kaoma, and Instagram, at Brighton, Kaoma, Twitter, at Brighton, Kaoma. Um, yeah, I'd be very happy to connect, share my experiences and thoughts, mm -hmm. um, and offer any trainings online, could be through systems thinking trainings, um, and leadership trainings, I've had the opportunity of 
being mentored by folks from MIT, Columbia University, um, Harvard, uh, Kennedy School of Governance. Um, I would want to share all these experiences um, with other people in business, in nonprofit organizations. It's a, it could be about building your own nonprofit and what it takes, having a, the experience of co-starting a nonprofit from scratch. Mm. I have nuggets and experiences I could share. It could be about fundraising uh, for businesses or for nonprofits. Uh, I'll be happy to connect with people and share some of these nuggets. Um, there are some resources such as the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, mm -hmm. which produces modules, training courses for young people across the Commonwealth, and they've just made their content open source. Okay. So this is content where they invested thousands and thousands of dollars, and now it's open source and anybody can access resources. It could be on branding, it could be on marketing. Um, video production, so you can go in the Queen's Commonwealth Trust and access all these resources. Um, and as I indicated, I'm very open to offer trainings, um, one day to visit different people that are listening to this podcast and and collaborate, and of course to see you, Zizi, and all the yes. amazing friends in South Africa soon. Uh, but other than that, I'm eternally grateful. I, I believe that everything that has happened to me is for a purpose and that I should live a life of purpose because God is the one who gives and takes and he can decide to give all these things to other people. Hmm. He would have decided to give them to anyone else. So um, it's not by luck, it's by his grace. Sure. And I remain indebted to him by being a better human being a better brother to others around Africa, a continent I'm passionate about, but also around the world. Sure. Amazing. Thank you so much, friend, for all the resources and all the tips. I'll actually keep um, a note of all of this and include it in the show notes for the podcast. But guys, you heard it from the man himself. I hope that this episode inspired you guys as much as it has inspired me. I am still just so amazed and in awe of all the amazing pearls of wisdom that Brighton has shared. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Happy Tuesday. Choose yourself, guys. God bless.